going to talk about Elijah who preached the word to Ahab. Do you remember Thursday night? We were there. Uh, we talked about Elijah, and it starts, our first introduction to Elijah is when Elijah goes before Ahab because Ahab has provoked the Lord God to anger more than all the Israelite kings before him. That's a pretty big provocation, like I said. When you think about it, because three of those other kings, God has wiped their lineage, their, their heirs, everything off the face of the earth. But Ahab has done more to provoke the Lord than all of them combined. Think about that. So that's what we started with Thursday night. So tonight we're going to be in Elijah part 2, 1 Kings 18, because we're going to talk about Elijah and how he stood up to a wicked wicked king. We talked to the choice Elijah made. He's going to make some more here today. God told him to go, just as he told Esther, just as he told John the Baptist. What did all of them have that they did? They all had a choice, and they made the choice to stand and go when God called them, correct? That's right. And every time you read about these folks in the Bible doing what God told them, remember, they had a choice to say no, and they didn't. To me, that's courage. So the calling comes, and it's essential for them and for us to go. Elijah went, and Elijah stood tall. He made some choices for the wicked king Ahab. The wicked king Ahab has a governor running his house. This governor's name is Obadiah. Now, Obadiah is in the same house running it as Jezebel and Ahab. Neither one of those have a good name, do they? No, they don't. Obadiah is running the house, and he is a godly man of these two wicked people. He is loyal, and he made the choice to stay godly in the midst of the house of Ahab and Jezebel. So 1 Kings 18.1, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Three years without any rain, there's going to be a sore famine throughout the land. There's going to be a drought. What comes with drought? Nothing. Everything dies in a drought. So God has stopped the rain. And Elijah, who pronounced the judgment to Ahab that God was going to stop the rain, he's now going to find that same Ahab and tell him, God is going to work and the rain will return. So you think this is good news, and he's running all the way. He's not. When there is a drought, there is famine. Samaria is in a bad, bad way, for the famine has wiped them out, and all the animals are starting to die. 1 Kings 18.3 And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. That's important because he is in the middle of a wicked, wicked household, and he fears the Lord greatly. For it was so, this is Obadiah's testimony, for it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that means killed, when she killed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty, fifty in one case, fifty in another, and fed them with bread and water at his own expense from the house of Ahab and Jezebel. This guy is courageous. <laughs> so, here we get the framework. 
We get Obadiah, who feared the Lord greatly, and he is a governor in this wicked king's house. This man is walking a very fine line, a tightrope. How can he be a proper servant of God when he must live and serve with a wicked king and queen? Yet he manages just that. We know that because the Bible says he managed just that. I don't know how he did it. We, we have trouble living godly in a wicked world. He was doing it in a wicked, wicked household. Ahab, we know how wicked Ahab was. But his wife Jezebel was a whole other type of wicked. Most everyone has heard of her, or at least the name Jezebel. But did you know that she actively even participated in killing the prophets of God? Actively killed hundreds of the prophets of God. Did you know she actively persecuted the worship of God? Jezebel was all about Baal. She was promoting Baal. And what was Baal the God of? Fertility and child sacrifice. And this is who Jezebel worshipped. This is what she was promoting in the land of Israel. The very chosen people of God, and they are taking them down the path of idol worship and child sacrifice. So knowing this about Jezebel, knowing he was the governor in her household, how brave does that make Obadiah? Extremely. In my eyes, he was brave and he was resourceful. He was feeding them. Without them ever finding out, he was resourceful. He was brave because he got up every day and he went into them and gave them the news and ran their household. Oh, he fed the, the prophets. He gave them drink in a time of famine, in a time of drought. He made sure 100 people were fed and watered. That's resourceful. He did it from the stores of the wicked couple, and he did it all while running their house. The man has my respect, let me tell you. Alright, so now, there's no water in the land, and Ahab and Obadiah, Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all the fountains of water, unto all the brooks, peradventure we may find grass, to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they're losing the animals left and right. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way, Obadiah went another way. So Ahab trust Obadiah, his governor, so much so that just the two of them, by themselves, are going to go out and search for water and grass that the animals don't die. But this struck me as a little bit odd because it shows Ahab having a caring and a concern for something at no other time in the Bible does it mention Ahab without thinking, or with Ahab thinking about anything other than himself. Shows a little different side of the man, a little humanity of the man, but... We, all, we know he didn't care uh, about them as animals. He cared about the work that needed to be done. But it still showed that he cared about something. He, he's still a wicked king, but now he's more than just a figure on a page, more than a name on paper. He's a guy who ran a kingdom. The animals are dying. He's personally going out to find food and water for them. It makes him a little more personal, a little more human, puts a little different light on things there. Because if you don't know that about these people, it becomes easy to just read about them as Names on a piece of paper. This gives them a little touch of humanity. So Ahab went one way, Obadiah went the other, and their search for water. Speaking of water, I'm going to get a little bit.
And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? He's confirming who he is. And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Obadiah. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? When I was reading this, this struck me as one of the best conversations in, in the Bible. Obadiah saw Elijah. He knew it was Elijah. He bowed before the prophet, for he feared the Lord greatly. He respected the prophet. He bowed before the prophet of God. He says, are you that Elijah? And in that, he's saying, are you the one that God spoke to? Are you the one that carried God's word to Ahab? And Elijah confirms that he is that Elijah. Then Elijah says, Go tell your Lord Ahab that Elijah is a here. Simple task. Not for Obadiah. <laughs> now it's not. Obadiah is aghast that Elijah would ask him to do this, knowing Ahab would kill the messenger. For Ahab is very wroth with Elijah, and Obadiah is afraid of Ahab in this respect, and rightfully so. 1 Kings 18.10. Obadiah is continuing his speaking. As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. He's upset about it. <laughs> I don't want to go do this. In fact, not only does he want to go do this, he starts talking right next about everything he's already done. Haven't I done enough? 18.13, he says, Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah here is, and he shall slay me. Obadiah is not out of the camp right now. But he sounds just like us when God asks us to do something. Don't you know what I've already done? Don't you know what this is going to cost me? You want me to do what? Oh, this, this, this whole interaction just cracks me up. It really does. Obadiah thinks he's putting his head on the chopping block. He's saying, how much more can you ask of me, the faithful, busy servant of God? When Jezebel was killing the prophets, did I not take a hundred feet and water them at great risk to myself? Ahab, Elijah, Ahab has searched all the earth looking for you, and now I'm going to go say you're here. When I get back, you won't be here. Bam, there goes my head. That's exactly what he's saying. Is that what you want, Elijah? And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him this day, today. Obadiah heard the man who said, it will not rain, and it didn't. He heard the man who said, Ahab, you're wicked. He heard the man who said all that say, I will be here. Obadiah greatly feared God and his prophet. He respected him. He trusted him. He listened to him. Elijah is the prophet of God. 
His word was his bond. Obadiah knew that. Now Obadiah quit worrying. He knows Elijah's going to be there, so he goes to get Ahab. Now the point that I got from this is very simple, and this is just an aside. It has nothing to do with anything else, but when you say something to people, do they believe you? Will they believe you? Are you a man of your word, woman of your word? It's important, just like Elijah had that testimony, it's important for us to have that testimony too. All right, so 1 Kings 18, 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass, this is, this is Ahab's mindset right here. When Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Are you the one that caused the drought? Are you the one that's caused the famine? Are you the one that's causing all these problems for us? When in reality, whose problems was it? Ahab. Obadiah finds Ahab. Ahab heads to meet Elijah. And not only does Ahab go, but Ahab goes to Elijah with a chip on his shoulder, for he feels that it is Elijah that troubles in, uh, Israel, not understanding that it is he, Ahab, that, causes, that is the cause of Israel's trouble. He never understands the consequences of his actions. 1 Kings 18, 18. And he answered, Elijah's talking, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Elijah, like most people today, is ever the diplomat. He plays with his words in fear of offending Ahab and holds his true feelings and thoughts to himself. No, not Elijah. Elijah said, oh, no, no, Ahab, you're the reason that this drought and this famine is going on. Elijah, you are the man. The same thing Nathan said to David. Thou art the man. That's what Elijah says to Ahab. You have forsaken God and have left him to chase after Balaam. You are the chosen of God's people. You have pulled God's people, his very chosen, into idolatry. You're the one who's causing this. <clears throat> Elijah continues in 18:19. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. This is the house that Obadiah is the governor of, all the Baal's prophets. And you know they're going to rat him out. So Obadiah was extremely courageous, extremely resourceful, and extremely faithful. So now we get to the events at Mount Carmel. We're, we're not going to make it all the way through Mount Carmel today. So Jezebel is killing the prophets of the Lord, yet she still had, or yet she had 800 prophets of Baal that were told about. 800 prophets of Baal. 450 uh, prophets of Baal, and then another 400 prophets of the grove that are at Jezebel's table. So 850. That's a lot to feed that she's feeding two, three times a day in a famine, in a drought. Yet she does this, and as she does this, it tells you where her heart is, but it also tells you who she is, that she's worshiping a God of child sacrifice. She is of Baal wholeheartedly. Despite the mighty things that the living God does in front of her, in her hearing, in, in, in spite of the prophecies, in spite of the miracles, she belongs to the God Baal. That's who she is, who she wants to be. 1 Kings 18, 20. 
So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So we're getting to the very scene that all of us know so well in Elijah's prophecy, right? Or Elijah's ministry. Ahab does exactly what Elijah asks. He sends messengers throughout the land. He gathers all the children of Israel to him along with the prophets of Baal. Now this is, struck me as very interesting when I was reading through this because you always read, and he sent unto all the children of Israel and he gathered the prophets, but then we never focus on the fact that all the children of Israel come to Mount Carmel to witness what's going on. In most of our accountings, people are talking about just, just Elijah and the prophets and Ahab, that's all that was there. No, all the children of Israel were at this event. All of them. It says so. Anybody notice that before? You did? Mm -hmm. Just like you knew about the Ten Commandments, right? Mm -hmm. anyway. <laughs> All right, so most of the time when I hear about this, and, and, and I'm guilty of it myself, it's the prophets of Baal, Elijah, and Ahab. No, all the children of Israel are there. God had an audience. In fact, he made sure there was an audience there for what was about to take place. He is about to show the people what the all-powerful creator of the universe can do. 1 Kings 18, 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long hold ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. I don't know why they didn't answer him, but they did not. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now we know there's 850, and we know he's not alone. We're going to cover that in a second. But what I find most striking, the people did not answer the prophet Elijah. They knew who he was. They knew what he had done. They knew who he served. They knew he had stopped the rain. They knew who Elijah was, but they did not answer him when he spoke to them. Why? Probably because of the other 850 prophets over there that were killing the people of God. That's why. Also, and this struck me as odd, Elijah says, I alone am the only prophet left. But we know there's a hundred in the cave. Obadiah just told him that. Now, I'm going to think, because this is what I want to think, surely my supposition, Elijah's covering for those hundred. He's risking his life, not theirs. He's being a man, standing up and saying, I'm the only one left. They haven't killed me. This is what we're doing. I think he's protecting them. So that's what I'm going to think. So Elijah knows there's more, but he said, I, even I alone, I'm standing here against all these people. Elijah's a drama queen. <laughs> he's sitting there going, oh, look at me, woe is me. He's, he's a showman. He's exactly what he's doing. He's making a little drama, making a little showman, making entertaining for the people. Sometimes you got to do that. 1 Kings 18, 23. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock, lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. And call ye, he's talking to the other 850, call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. 
And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Yes, sure, let them earn their keep. Let them tell us who the real one is. So he lays out the challenge, not just to the other prophets, but also to the people who are watching. Elijah is making this a spectacle, and he got out in front of all that he might be the voice. He might be the one setting the pace. He might be the one setting the events. He didn't let Ahab get up there and do it. He laid it out. He took in charge of the event. He put forth his agenda. He didn't let Ahab set the rules. He stood up, even though Ahab was king, even though Ahab's wife was killing the prophets of God, he stood up against the wickedness in the land. Elijah made a stand for God in front of king, in front of false prophets, and the people that all might see him, he stood. And they had to hear him, so he had to get up high enough. He stood in a wicked land. He made the challenge between Baal and the Lord. That's who he made the challenge between. Between Baal and the Lord. Not himself, not the false prophets, not him and Ahab. The strife is now between God and Baal. And he laid that out and made it very clear. It's amazing to me what is transpiring here when, when, when you get your mind wrapped around the images. The, the courage displayed by Elijah. The courage displayed by Obadiah. And Ahab's willingness to go along with this, even though he knew Baal was a false god. That, that, that also struck me as odd. So we started off with the choice of Elijah to stand. How he stood, where he stood, when he stood, in the middle of a drought and famine, he's standing for the Lord. And Ahab knows he's the cause of the drought and the famine. And he's standing in front of Ahab. In this world today, are you standing up for the God of the universe like Elijah did? Now, we're not risking our necks on a chopping block. You can go up to the President of the United States right now and tell him things aren't right, and he can't chop your head off. He can't throw you in prison. Are you standing up to a God, or up for a God, the God of the universe, the one who died for their sins and who loves them? Are you witnessing of the true God, or are you letting the world shut you down? Elijah stood. When I talk of the examples of the Bible, this is exactly why I talk of the old prophets. Because it shows them out in a real world doing things that we have to do. Standing for God amidst a wicked, wicked world. Jezebel was more wicked than Ahab. Ahab contended with, or Elijah contended with Ahab for the most part. So just as Elijah stood alone in front of the king, the, the false prophets, and the people, so too do we have to decide this today if we're going to do the same thing. 